This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. As I said this morning, our daughters actually got up at 5 o'clock and at 5.30 took off on their longest road trip ever. Um, Lord Jesus, Lauren drove three and a half, four hours up to Leslie, Arkansas this morning uh, to, to be there to, for worship, but... Um, but Madison, along the way, sent me a little, uh, knowing what I was talking about this morning, sent me a little picture. She loves, she loves minions. Everybody know what minions are? And so she and I send back funny, you've seen the little funny pictures that go online, things that minions say and stuff. So she sent me this one this morning as we were on the way to church. My mother always told me, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Some people wonder why I'm so quiet around them. So that is, there's... There's Madison's sense of humor for you there this morning. We're going to talk about um, the power of words. And two weeks ago, we started talking about the power of words, and I gave you a few points. Number one, we just established that God shaped the world with his words, right? Let there be light, and there was, right? And so God shaped the world. He sent his son Jesus, who is called the Word, into the world and redeemed us. And then number two, I mentioned we shape the world with our words about how people can say things. People say things that either they, they can either build us up or they can tear us down in a moment. Words are powerful. Words are like a loaded weapon. The tongue is the only tool in life that grows sharper with use. And we went into James chapter 3. James, the brother of Jesus, talking about how if we contain the tongue, then we've become a fully mature Christian. Do we have any fully mature Christians here? Man, in three weeks of asking this, there's always some wise guy and. Somebody always like, there it is, Ron. Yeah, figured. James goes on and says the tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth, right? A rudder on a ship, a spark that starts a forest fire. And then lastly, I talked to number three, that the, we can change the world with his words and, and just the Great Commission. Go into the world and preach the gospel. Go over and announce the message of the good news. And then last week, week two, I went into words that hurt. And I talked about how Words can be so devastating to us physically. I talked about my grandmother who, who had always, her whole life, I heard her say, my mother died of Alzheimer's, my aunt died of Alzheimer's, I hope I don't die of Alzheimer's. And she died of Alzheimer's because words are powerful. And we were talking about how often have we gotten physically ill over something that someone said that affected us in such a way. I actually got this week a message from Miss Kathy Mokri over Facebook, and she sent me, I gave you a quote last week from Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and she sent me um, this quote from her. It says, words really do cause pain. Research has shown that hurt feelings from words affect the same area of the brain as a broken bone or other serious injury. Crazy, huh? So words can affect us physically, obviously affect us emotionally. Words can impact our purpose and our destiny. Number two, I talked about our words, our words can devastate others. Luke 6.45, a good man out of the treasure, good treasure of his heart brings forth good. Evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We are what we say. People will know who we are and what we're about by the words that come out of this hole in our face, right? Most of us, hopefully, have never abused or beaten our children. However, all of us have probably at some point abused or beaten our children with our words. Where does this come from? We talked about society. Our culture has made it cool to talk about people to criticize. Magazines, TV, talked about how People Magazine makes $5.5 million a day in sales to talk about people when 25,000 people die a day of hunger. 
We pay people like these magazines. We pay them to elicit beatings on people. People say, well, I have the right to my opinion. I have the freedom of speech. We need to exercise our freedom to keep our mouths shut sometimes. One of the most important lessons to learn in life. Then we went into Ephesians 4, 29. Don't let any foul words come forth from your mouth. I only say what is helpful when it is needed for building up the community so that it benefits those who hear what you have to say. We are called to be different, to bless others and build others up with our words. I gave you those three things. Before we say something to someone, we should ask ourselves, is it true? Is it kind? And what's the last one? Is it necessary? That's a big one. I was thinking in this, you know, we're the only Jesus that some people will ever know. Our words have to be different than the words of this world. And the last thing I mentioned was, number three, only God can heal the wounds of words. And I gave you this scripture from 1 Peter 5.10. says, But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And that really hit me. He's saying here, in your journey, as you seek God, in the midst of the trials and the struggles and the things you walk through in this life, may God perfect you. And I, I remember I broke these words down. May he perfect you. May he mend you. May he repair you. May he establish you to make you stable, constant, to confirm. May he strengthen you, making you strong in your walk. And may he settle you by establishing you and bringing you peace. That's quite a blessing right there. And then I gave you those steps. We have to forgive we have to embrace the Lord and his process. Through the word, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle us. We have to be willing to take the time necessary to walk it out. We have to be willing to let things go in a society that says we have a right to be angry. We have a right to hold a grudge. We have to be willing to let these things go. And we must ensure that we don't hurt others in the same way that we've been hurt. And so what I want to hit for a few minutes today is words that heal. And you should have your notes there uh, in your service guide. And We've established that words can be damaging, that they can be devastating, that they can scar, but, you know, and they can do those things for a lifetime. But if that is true, then the flip should also be true. Our words of encouragement, our words of positivity should also impact for a lifetime, but they should impact with hope. And so I'm going to give you a couple things here, three things. Uh, number one, should have a blank in your notes there. Words of encouragement can impact for a lifetime. I think that we have undervalued the impact that we can have on somebody else's life. I mean, hopefully we all can remember an encouraging word that somebody spoke to us at some point in life, sometime along the way. Maybe when you weren't real confident, you weren't real sure, maybe you were hurt. I mean, I, I've talked about the last couple weeks this message on words, I remember hearing about this in children's church. There's, you know, my little insecurities and me are going, well, this is a real simple message. People are going to be out there thinking, well, I've already heard this. I already know this. But do you know, I have heard, I think with this message, I have heard more feedback from you guys than I ever have before. I've gotten so many encouraging messages, text messages, and messages over Facebook and different things saying, that really blessed me. I needed to hear that. I need to make some changes. The Lord's really challenging me. And man, you know the difference it makes when somebody comes in when you're not real confident and says, says, I needed that, thanks. You know, it's like, you know, worship team did awesome. I love our worship team. And, you know, been doing worship for, been doing worship for a long time. And I have 
always said, I fully recognize that I'm the least qualified to stand up here on this stage. I'm not a musician. And it is, has in the, especially in the past, has been very easy for me to let insecurities creep up in me over that. But you know, those encouraging words all along the way is what has made the difference. You know, I, I don't see her here. Is Miss Linda Jackson here this morning? She normally sits right there next to Miss Joyce. Y'all know Miss Linda, those of you who know Miss Linda, I have probably received more encouraging words from that woman. She will send me a message and say, worship was awesome this morning. I love our worship team. I love getting to church and here. And man, it just builds you up, doesn't it? You remember, remember the first time you turned in a paper and you weren't real confident in school? You turned it in and you thought, I'm going to flunk. <laughs> I'm going to fail. And it finally gets passed back to you a couple days later and you, and you see it coming to you. And it's got red letters at the top and you get it. And it says, great job, well written. And you go, huh. The difference that that makes, right, in just a moment. One positive word can bring somebody to life. Encouraging words, I put this down, encouraging words are like fuel to us. It's like jet fuel to us. It's what propels us forward. And that's the way God designed us. God designed us, we talked about how God designed us with mouths. So he wants us to speak, right? And he wants us to understand that he wants us to speak to help shape the lives of others, to speak encouragement. We have the ability to change the lives of those around us for the better. I want to go back for a minute to Ephesians chapter 4. I think it's in your notes there. And again, this is Paul writing to Ephesus. And, and you know, we, we talked last week about James as he was writing. And a, and a couple months ago in that last series I did, um, we were talking about Paul writing to uh, the church in Corinth. And remember, this is the early church. They thought Jesus was coming back any day. And time's ticking along, months and a couple of years, and they're going, okay, we need to establish some things in the church. <laughs> We've got some problems. And so they start writing these things. And so you've got here in Ephesians, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's going, why can't these believers get along? Because there was problems. If you ever read the New Testament, there were some issues in the early church. You think we got issues sometimes in the church between people? There was some problems. And it wasn't just in the, the apostles had issues. Man, Paul and Peter had a difficult time with each other sometimes. They would go their own separate ways. We look at Paul and Peter, and we put them up on this pedestal. They were human men, and they struggled. They had some arguments. And so here you've got Paul writing church Ephesus, and like we led read before from this, it's from the Common English Bible. It says, don't let any foul word come out of your mouth. Only say what is helpful when it is needed for building up the community so that it benefits those who hear what you have to say. We need to, we need to break this down. It's really in four sections there. But from the beginning there, it says, don't let any foul word come out of your mouth. Now, and if you grew up in the youth group or something, this scripture is used many times to say, don't cuss. Don't let any foul word come out of your mouth. Well, this isn't really talking about cursing. This is, this is talking about in our communication with one another and how we interact with people. He's saying that our words have great impact and using foul words with each other is not what God intended when he gave us a mouth and the ability to speak. Instead of foul words, he goes on to say there, only say what is helpful um, when it is needed for, the building up, for building up the community. So we replace those foul words with words that build up, right? So if you go back and you look at the Greek word for, uh, for build up, it's actually, uh, 
I love now on the internet when you look up like the Strong's concordance and you look up Greek words, you can actually have it pronounce it to you. You hit the little thing and it, your computer says it in Greek. So it's from the Greek word oikodome. Oikodome. Say it with me. Oikodome. Which means to build up. And it means to edify and to promote growth. But in reality, it was originally, it was originally a construction term. And it was referring to restoring an old dilapidated building or house. That kind of makes you look at it differently. It talked about not only, not just restoring a structure to its original condition, but adding value to it, increasing the square footage. Does that make you look at it a little differently? We were sold to speak words that build up, that don't just restore, but increase value. That's awesome. So you may be looking at that and you may think, well, I know I should be an encourager. I need to work on that. How neat. But it's actually a little more critical than that, which is actually number two in your notes. Encouragement is not just needed. Encouragement is critical. Guys, we live in a world of hurt and broken people. People today are lacking confidence. They are full of doubt lacking self-esteem, needing to be built up. I'm not talking about the occasional card we send to somebody saying, I was thinking of you. I'm talking about living the life of an encourager, looking for opportunities every day to build those up, to increase the value of those around us. And there was a study done a little, uh, two years ago, I think, by the Gottman Group, and they said, what they found was in this study, that in the United States, there is a criticism to encouragement ratio. You know what the ratio is? Six to one. On average, Americans speak six words of criticism before they speak one word of encouragement. Now, what does that tell us? You know, we wonder why we have issues in so many areas. You know, your spouse comes home from work. What do they hear? Did you pick that stuff up from the cleaners? Did you go by the store? Have you done it yet? Why not? I'm depending on you. What's wrong with you? Can't you do better? By the way, I love you. Six of these words before a word of encouragement. For some of us, six to one, I think, is very generous. You ever known somebody that's more like 600 to one? How many of you struggle with that? I would admit that you struggle with, I, you know what? I'm not putting my hand up just so you raise yours. I struggle with it too. You can ask my wife. She has to tell me almost every day, be positive. Okay, yes, I gotta be positive. Gotta be positive. We've got to work on our criticism to encouragement ratio. This ratio explains a lot. It explains why so many times our workplaces are so toxic. It explains why so many of our marriages are on the rocks and why over half our marriages end in divorce. Explains why today many children hate their parents and parents hate their children. They speak to one another in a six-to-one ratio. Tells us why so many kids are angry with no ambition, no confidence. Explains why it's toxic to go anywhere. Walmart. Oh, I hate that place. Oh. 
Just traffic. We relate to each other in a six-to-one ratio. And look what it's done to our society. What is your ratio? I need to work on mine. I need to rein it in a little bit. Back in Ephesians 4 there, um, it says, Only say what is helpful when it is needed. That's that as necessary part again, right? Only speak what is needed as it is, as it is needed. Well, let me tell you, words of encouragement are what is needed. That's what we need to be speaking. Everybody suffers at times from insecurities. Everybody suffers sometimes from self-doubt. Everybody suffers, you know, from inadequacy at times. We've got to build each other up uh, because, you know, we are the ones. We are Jesus in the earth today. We are that encouraging word. We're the ones that speak the word of God. Then it goes on. It says, um, only speak what is helpful when it's needed. And what's it say for the building up, for building up the community? We should be speaking words that promote growth, that give grace, words that speak potential, and as it says there, words that build community, right? So let me ask you, in your life, what are the words that you need to hear? We all have words that we need to hear. So, husbands, what words do your wives need to hear? You know, I may not know your wife, but every wife has questions that she wants answered. Am I beautiful? Thank you, John. <laughs> Do you ever notice me? Do you even stop and listen to me? Do you hear the words that I speak? Am I significant to you? All we do is drop criticism, and she doesn't know the answers to those questions. We should be speaking words, saying, I love you, you're beautiful, I love you just the way you are. Wives, what do your husbands need to hear? Husbands have words they need to hear. Just let me give my examples, thanks. <laughs> I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> Every man has questions in his own heart. Every man wants to know if he's enough. Every man has the questions, do I have what it takes to be a man? Do I have what it takes to conquer in this life? Do I have what it takes to be a good husband and father? Do I have what it takes to be a good employee? Do I have what it takes? If your husband never hears that, he doesn't know. Parents, at the end of the day, you go in and tell your children good night. What is your ratio? Why is this room such a mess? Why do you never pick up your clothes? Have you even brushed your teeth like I said? Is that what they hear? Mine do sometimes. Well, one of them does sometimes. <laughs> Be glad our last one gets to the point where we don't have to make him brush his teeth. <laughs> we have to know the power of our words when it comes to our children. Our kids need to know that we love them, and they need to know that we're not going anywhere. Amen. Because they have friends whose parents have disappeared and abandoned them. They need to know that we will never do that. They need to hear it from our mouths. 
I will always be with you. Yeah, that's, that's hilarious. Woo. Uh, in the same token, we have some youth in here. Wonder why you never get along with your parents? You know, you hear when you're a kid from your parents, you'll never know how hard it is to be a parent until you're a parent. It's true. <laughs> you'll never know how hard it is to be a parent until you're a parent. And sometimes parents get the least encouragement. You want to get along with your parents? You want to get what you want for a change? Try speaking a word of encouragement or two. Have they ever heard that you love them and that you're glad that you're their child? It goes a long way. You can butter your, your parents up pretty quickly if you try. You may be an employer. You may have, or you may have employees at your workplace that are kind of under you. What's your ratio? Do we spend more time talking about what they're doing or how they're doing? Why haven't you met that deadline? What am I paying you for anyway? Are you even competent? We've got to build them up and encourage them. About single folks. I've talked to so many single folks before that think because they're single and have hit 25 and 30, well, nobody loves me. How old's Matt? 33. <laughs> I'm no good. I'm not attractive. No one will ever love me. We need to build these folks up, tell them they are worthy, that they are valuable, that they're attractive, that they're funny. We've got to speak encouragement to them. Single parents, special needs parents, people without jobs, these are all people that we've got to speak words of encouragement to. As I said, I was um, over the weekend at a, at a funeral, and that really got me thinking, why is it that funerals are the only place that we get this right? All we do is speak encouraging words. Old Jim, what a great man he was. He just loved Jesus. He was such a good husband, loved his adorable wife. His kids, such a servant, such a man of God, impacted lives, worked so hard. We say all these things. Why wait till people are dead? Say all the, I'll say all the great things about them. Instead, we make them miserable by criticizing them their whole life, and then we build them up once they're dead and tell them how great they are. You're awesome. We've got to build up people now while there's time, while they're on the earth. You know, here's the reality, though. How many of you would say, just honestly, that speaking lots of words of encouragement, if you started today and you quadrupled the encouraging words you're speaking, the thought of that makes you a little uncomfortable? Why is that? I think part of it is the culture that we live in today. Our culture tells us that if somebody comes in and gives us lots of encouragement, they must want something. There are other motives there. Isn't it true? We automatically start thinking. If somebody comes to us and says lots of kind words to us real quick, we think, okay, we start stepping backwards. What's going on? They must be a brown noser. They want something out of me. And so we think, I'm not real comfortable with that. I don't want people to think I have some weird motives. Let me say this. Don't, we can't let our comfort level overshadow the truth and the power of God's word. 
We can't let our comfort level keep us from impacting somebody's life for Jesus. And you may be here and you may say, well, I can't affirm anyone because I myself have never been affirmed. I've never known what it was like to receive words of encouragement. I don't even know what that looks like or how to start. I don't even know what to say. Well, we looked last week at Proverbs. Solomon was the wisest man, right? What did he have to say in Proverbs eleven twenty-five in your notes? Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That refresh is, is, is the word replenished, which brings us to number three. Encouragement reaps encouragement. You want to be refreshed? You want to be replenished? The Bible says you start first. Look around and begin speaking words of encouragement. Begin speaking words that refresh and replenish those around you. And that is the benefit. You will reap what you sow. You sow encouragement, you will reap encouragement. And we know this is true because can you think of somebody, think of somebody who's the most biggest encourager that you know. Usually they're the person that always has the big smile on their face and always positive. And we think, good Lord, they're annoying. Oh my gosh. They are, they are always positive and always encouraging and always building up. And it's so annoying sometimes. I heard somebody yell Zach from the back. Thank goodness he's not here today. Yeah, there he is. There you are. I rode to him to a, we, we had to run to Nashville two weeks ago. We were on the way and it was about 8 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, I'm not awake till about 11. And I'm sitting there and he just, <laughs> and I said, I said, would you please stop being so positive? It is too early. <laughs> I could say that kind of thing to him. These are the people that are usually, they're usually so replenished, refreshed and replenished that they can be annoying. They are just walking replenishment, always bubbly. The people who do the most refreshing and encouraging are usually the most refreshed and encouraged people. We need to learn from that. Always patting people on the back. Always telling them, good job. And so Solomon is telling us here that if we will learn this principle, it will not only affect others, those around us, it will affect us as well. We've got to live this out. We've got to start somewhere. And I actually looked um, back and I, I looked at what the Bible says about encouragement here. I'm just going to read you a few scriptures. I don't think I have these. Actually, I think they are in the notes. Um, Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Proverbs 25, 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. And then Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Encouraging words are so important. So while last week, as I was saying, we need to stop speaking so many words of negativity and criticism, now I'm saying, look, we've got to, we've got to look at this. We've got to realize that we've got a world of hurt and broken people around us. And they're always right around us. Many of us here are hurt and broken because of the things of this life. Maybe because of words that have been spoken over us. And you, each of you, have the power of healing in your words. One encouraging word can change a life. 
I looked um, a couple of days ago and I found on, I read regularly churchleaders.com. They've got blogs and stuff on there. And they had this, it was written to pastors, but I thought this was good. And it talked about encouragement, how to encourage people. And so I'm going to read these to you real quick. It was a bit long to put in the notes, but um, it says, uh, number one, point out how you see God working in someone's life. Tell them how you can see if they've changed over the last six months or, or the last year. Uh, number two, it said, tell someone that you are praying for them but be sure to do it. I'll be praying for you, brother. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we got to make sure we do it. Number three, point out ways that they encourage you. Thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you for encouraging me. Thank you for being there for me. Number four, share an encouraging scripture with them. Number five, encourage them that God is for them and always faithful to them. Number six, tell them um, that you appreciate, respect, you like, you enjoy, what you appreciate, respect, like, and enjoy about them. Number seven, appreciate and thank them for the ways that they serve. Number eight, encourage them for any effort you see them making in the right direction. Sometimes you got to look kind of hard. <laughs> but you can encourage. You can find something to encourage somebody for. True? Number nine, encourage them to never give up. I know what you're going through, but I'm praying for you and God's got you. Number 10, thank them for their example to you. Number 11, commend them for any job well done. Number 12, share with them how you see them glorifying God. 13, encourage them for any gifts and talents they have. 14, pour out the fruit of the Spirit, point out the fruit of the Spirit you see in their life. And number 15, remind them they have a sympathetic, compassionate high priest who intercedes for them. There's so many ways that we can be an encouragement to those around us. So before we close, I'm going to do this. Are ushers ready? Go ahead and pass those out for me. You've got homework this week. <laughs> what you are receiving... Um, <laughs> what we're going to do with these, I'm going to ask you, not do anything with it now. It is simply a blank note card. They're all different. Some of you may not like yours. Trade with the person next to you. I don't care. But guys, I'm going to encourage you to take a moment today and ask the Lord who it is in your life that needs some encouragement. And I want you to jot down a note to them. Now, you know, if you want to do it a different way, that's okay. If you throw this away, I'm not going to be mad at you. But this is to try and push you that direction. I want you to think about who you need to write an encouraging word to. And I want you to just pray about that and I want you to write it down. See, I've already gotten one. Ron just, sent, just gave me one that says, your face is a blessing. <laughs> Good job. In red. Thanks. Give someone an encouraging word. It may seem uncomfortable, but guess what? Everybody's doing it. Give in to the peer pressure. It's okay this time. Write an encouraging word to someone. Start here. Start now. Well, if you want to, but, but who is it around you that needs a word of encouragement? Who is it that needs you to pour out words of affirmation? You never know where somebody's at. You never know what they're going through. And your words can make all the difference in the world. Amen? Let's, uh, let's bow our heads and as we close... I just, as always, first and foremost, 
if you don't know the encourager. The encourager of all encouragers is Jesus Christ. He gave his life for us. That was him patting us on the back and saying, you can make it. I've given you everything, including my life, so that you can make it. And all we've got to do is embrace him and his love and surrender our life to him. And the Bible says that who we are dies and we become a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. You're looking for hope? It's found in Jesus. Nobody on this earth can speak encouraging words to you that can bring you the words of hope and life that Jesus can. If you've never given your life to Christ, this is your moment. Or maybe you have given your life to Christ, but you recognize that he has not been Lord. As I've been saying the last few weeks, when we become a follower of Jesus, it's, it's not a little prayer asking him to come into our heart. In the New Testament, in the early church, they never prayed a prayer to receive Jesus. They never prayed a prayer to follow Jesus. They just did it. They laid down their life. Jesus came to the disciples and said, follow me. They dropped their nets. They dropped their lives. And they followed him. They dropped their dreams for the future. And they followed him. I'm going to follow you wherever you go, Lord. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Surrendering everything. So you may be here. And you've prayed the prayer before, but you recognize that he's not Lord. You're still very much Lord of your own life. You may recognize that he's not the Lord of your mouth because you're not speaking words that edify and build up and encourage. You may recognize that he's not the Lord of your attitude because it stinks a little too often. And you may feel that you need to rededicate your life to him again today. And that is all right. Now I'd encourage you to jump in on this prayer uh, as well. If that's you and you would say, you know what, I need to surrender to Jesus today, with every head bowed, just lift your hand and let me see. Who would say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today? One. Anybody else? Two. Who would say, I need to give my life to Jesus today? I need to give up and surrender and let him take the reins. All right. Even if you didn't raise your hand, the Bible says all you've got to do is confess with your mouth and believe with your heart. So as we pray this, pray it right along with us. But don't say it for us. Say it to him. And back it up with the belief in your heart. And the Bible says that you're saved and you become his very own. Let's all pray together. Dear God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus because I'm desperate. I'm desperate in my sin and I recognize that I need a redeemer. Today I have found him and it is Jesus. I thank you for giving your life for me and today I give my life for you. I surrender myself. I lay myself at your feet. I lay down my dreams. I lay down my desires. I lay down my attitudes. And I allow you to take control. Lead me and guide me, Lord. 
I'll follow you all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me to live this life that glorifies you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God, I thank you for every person in this place. I thank you for those who prayed that prayer of commitment. Mm. What a powerful moment when we surrender to Jesus and we say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. We thank you for that, Lord. God, we thank you for every person here that at some point in this life has been the recipient of hurtful words and the recipient of encouraging words. God, today, help us to be encouragers. You're such a great example of an encourager. God, we want to be just like you. Lord, we want to be just like you. Lord, bring to our attention those moments when those people around us that are hurting, drop your words in our hearts. Make us sensitive to your spirit, Lord, so we'll know when to speak and when not to speak, Lord. We pray, Lord, that as we surrender ourselves to you, that the words that come out of our mouth would not be our own, but they would be yours, Lord. And those words would change lives for your glory. May we build up all those we come in contact with, speaking words of encouragement, edification, in Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.